from the Vascular Institute Studio. This is WRXR, Rossville, Chattanooga. Athens, Knoxville, Tuscaloosa, Lexington, Baton Rouge, Gainesville, and the list goes on. Football legends are made in the SEC, and it all begins with strength, perseverance, and determination in towns all across the South. And we're here to talk about them all. College Football Radio. Presented by Medicare Misty. Begins now. SEC at its best. A production of Whitfield Media Group. And now, your hosts, Chris Goforth and legendary Georgia Bulldog tight end and former NFL pro football player, Randy McMichael. This is where SEC football game day starts. This is College Football Radio. Presented by Medicare Misty. On Rock 105. College Football Radio kicking off your Saturday morning. Chris Goforth alongside the Georgia Bulldog, former NFL tight end. Randy McMichael hanging out with us. Uh, College Football Radio presented by Medicare Misty. You can find her online at MedicareMisty.com. You can find uh, Randy McMichael, by the way, at RandyMac81. You can find me at Chris Goforth1. Glad to be with you today. Uh, Randy, I guess we got to start with a little bit of a a look back at the SEC championship game last week. Things did not go as planned for the uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs, and I, you know, we've we've talked before, kind of about this Heisman Trophy, and I, I think we we probably saw the winner last Saturday oh, in the yeah. Mercedes Benz Stadium. Oh, no doubt about it. Bryce Young was was uh, he was outstanding last weekend, and you know everything that that Georgia tried to throw at him, he handled very very well. Give a lot of props to the uh, to the much maligned uh, Alabama offensive line. Thought they did a great job in protection and everything. And this young man just went out there and he got it rolling. And from the second quarter on, it was downhill for for the dogs. And, and you know, once you let him be comfortable and you saw things that make him so special, you saw him use his legs when he had to use his legs. And then when he was looked like he was going to use his leg, he finds a running back. And he picks up 20 extra yards. So I just thought that, you know, Georgia had no answer for that young man. And if, if there was a tie or a teeter for tonight's Heisman Trophy, oh, he went snatched that thing out of yeah. <laughs> from everybody yeah. on Saturday afternoon. Well, he already won the, the AP College Football Player of the Year Award. So right. I think that's uh, that's one of those things that's kind of the precursor, if you will, to the Heisman. So I think uh, – uh, I think the trophy tonight goes to goes to Bryce Young. Uh, I really kind of think the the defensive end for Michigan and Aiden Hutchinson, Randy. I, I think he ends up. I think he's a distant second, but I think second. he ends up finishing second. I really do. Well, I mean, I think he. I think between him and, and Pitts, because I mean Pickett, because he had a great he had a great game too. Also against Wake Forest, everybody yeah. talks about the slide and everything, which was so funny. The fake slide that you know that's going to get somebody head bust open next time somebody tries that. But I just th- the thing about Aiden is this: he always shows up, and that is the thing that I I, I said this you know in the when they played Ohio State, I was like. This young man, no matter what the game is, you always know. Because 97 is just a stud superstar type player that can wreck and win games by himself from that defensive end spot. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's second. I think Pickett will be second. He'll be third and CJ will be fourth. But, I mean, I will have no problem with Aiden uh, Aiden Hutchinson being the number two. But we all know that this is Bryce Young's award to Not even to lose. It's his award. Right. (laughs) Let's call it what it is. Right. So, let me ask you. And uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you've already had to answer this question this week, but I'm going to ask it. Should Kirby Smart have made a quarterback change at halftime? Uh, I'm trying to figure out the people that keep saying that. I mean, would that have, uh, would that have guaranteed a win? I just look at the plays that happened down the stretch, and it seems like the only, it wasn't just the quarterback that was the problem. And so, you know, defensively, they had a lot of breakdowns. They came out second half, made some adjustments after the big play to Jameson Williams and kind of settled down a little bit. I thought they got more pressure on him. And, you know, the stats show when Georgia brought more than four that he was like one of 12 or something like that. And so, you know, if we do get the opportunity to play them again, that might be something that Kirby can go at. I just look at it like this. I think Stetson Bennett did not do anything – to possibly lose his job, but at the same time, I think JT Daniels is the best quarterback on the roster, and I, that's why I think he should play. Now, 
JT has missed more games in Georgia than he has played in. And a lot of that's with injury and everything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't know how Kirby plays this. Would I be surprised? I would be more surprised, and I'll, I'll frame it like this. I'll be more surprised if JT Daniels starts than if Sessa Bennett keeps his job. I'll be more surprised by that. But you can't throw the interception. Brock Bowers, you can't stop running on a crossing route. I mean, that's one thing. Stetson, you can't be careless because Babel should have had a pick six on the first drive. Stetson threw it right to him. He just dropped it. Georgia can't run the football. That was a big thing about it. Georgia has to be able to run the football. And so uh, when it comes down to quarterback position, because that's going to be the biggest thing throughout this next, you know, two and a half, three weeks, whatever we got into this game, I would not be surprised. It would not shock me if Stetson Bennett starts against Michigan. I'd be more shocked if JT Manny does. Going by what Kirby and as far out as we are from this game, going just by Kirby's tendencies and how he's been since he's been at UGA, I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't shock me. It just wouldn't. It's college football radio. Chris Go Fourth, Randy McMichael, hanging with you here on this Saturday morning. We got some good guests coming up. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. He'll be with us a little bit later on. Justin Williams who is uh, with The Athletic. He covers Cincinnati now. Uh, that is the other semifinal matchup is Cincinnati and and Alabama. So we'll, we'll kinda, we're going to talk a little Michigan next week here on College Football Radio. We'll talk a little Cincinnati today, give you a little scouting report with, with Justin Williams on exactly what Alabama is going to be facing in these college football playoffs. But one other thing, Randy, and, and we've said this for a long time, and anybody that's listened to the show long enough, you've probably heard us say this. In order to beat Alabama, you always have to have fantastic quarterback play. Yes. yes. All right. You go back. The game they lost this year to Texas A&M. Zach Calzada played out of his mind yep. in that game. It's the only time. It's the only time he showed up all year. But boy, was he good for that one game. Can Desmond Ritter, who's really good, Randy? He is good. Can he be the guy that gives Alabama problems in these playoffs? Uh, he's he's a good player. He's a guy that can. You know, he does so many different things. He does so many things very, very good. You saw last year the problems that he gave Georgia. Um, he's a veteran quarterback, Chris, and but he hasn't seen talent like he's going to see in this Alabama game. And so I think it's more than it's not him, but the, the guys around him also that have to play big. I mean, he I, I, I don't think the moment is too big for him. I just think that, you know, the team itself, has a step up around this young man because he has the goods. He's a, he is a NFL quarterback in my opinion, but you know, is this just too much of a hurdle? They're a two touchdown uh, underdog and everything, rightfully so. Can they find a way to keep it close in the fourth quarter? Now, I think that'll be one of the biggest things as we go forward talking about this game. Is can Cincinnati find a way to get it late in the fourth quarter? And I'm not saying they'll have no doubts in Alabama, but find a way to keep it close. It's going to be interesting to see because Cincinnati got NFL corners on their team. How do they play without Minchie if you're the Alabama offense? Because they, they, if I, as great of a defensive coordinator that Luke Fickle is, I would be surprised if Jamison Wilson got Williamson got one one-on-one play by himself. They're going to double him throughout this past game, and I would think so. But I think Cincinnati can play. I just don't know if Cincinnati can finish against Bama. Yeah, I want to touch a little bit on the bowl schedule uh, as well. We don't have any bowl games coming up today. Of course, today, the big story today is the Heisman Trophy, and then there's the annual Army-Navy game. That's always such a special game. Maybe maybe not the pizzazz that this game has had in the past with these two, but it's always a special game. And, and Randy, you're you're an Army brat, so uh, I know this is a game that means a lot to you and and your family, and it's one of those – this is a bucket list game for me today. Like if you, you you could list, you know, college football games you want to go to, Army Navy is one for me. I, I I've actually been to a game at Army before, mm-hmm. uh, but I've never seen an Army Navy game before. But I I just want to go just for the pomp and circumstance that goes with this game, just for all the kind of the festivities that surround it and and just all the tradition behind it I, I this is one of those games man i'd love to see in person i mean you know me being an army brat you know we have been a part of this game and watched this game and you know my mom before i played college football or whatever she would always make sure that we would watch the army navy game and so i mean the pageantry and everything about it 
of course, it is a bucket list game for me. As much as I don't like going to live sporting events, I would love to uh, have an opportunity to go up there and watch this game. And, you know, you could say the pizzazz not there. It's still Army-Navy, and it's always one of the more fun events to watch, especially when you have ties to one of these branches of the military. It's always fun. I have buddies that, you know, one, one of my aunts was in the Navy, and so she's always been the underdog because she's the only one in the Navy and everybody's uh, our Army. And so it's always fun like that. So I'm, I'm looking so forward to watching this game this afternoon. Uh, you've got the Armed Forces Bowl. Speaking of which, that's coming up uh, Wednesday, December the 22nd. you got Missouri and Army that day. I was going to run through the SEC Bowl games real quick. Randy, if there's if you want to chime in on any of these, uh, feel free. Central Florida and Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl on December the 23rd. That'll be an interesting bowl right there, man. We you know, got Gus Bus, uh, very familiar with Florida, uh, coming from the SEC and everything. And how does Florida, how do they end their season? New coach, Napier, who was doing a great job of hiring coaches, losing some recruits and losing some players. Saw Copeland uh, decided to transfer the other day. So how do they, you know, finish this thing off, not knowing who's going to be starting quarterback or anything like Who the heck is the interim coach? I can't even think of who the interim coach is. Yeah, man. you know, I don't know that I've heard. <laughs> I'm sure it's been announced. I, I've just missed it. But Yeah, but this is a game where, you know, uh, Florida – you know, they're this very new coach coming in. And if you're a player who won't transfer or a player who's trying to prove to Napier that, you know what, I'm somebody that you want to build around, you go out and you play your ass off today. That's right. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you something else about that game, too. Remember, UCF tried to get a home-and-home home series with Florida, and Florida wouldn't do it. Right. Uh, Florida wanted to do a two-for-one where Central Florida would have to come there twice before they would make uh, one trip to UCF. So there, there, I think there may be a little bit of bad blood between these two. Uh, Auburn is playing in the Birmingham Bowl. They'll take on Houston. That's uh, a noon kickoff on December the 28th. you got Mississippi State in the Liberty Bowl. I tell you, the one thing that they have tried to do now with these bowl games, and I feel like it's something you have to do because there's so many bowl games Mm -hmm. is geographically try to work it out for these teams. Like Tennessee's going to the Music City Bowl. Right. Auburn playing in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, you know, Florida and, and Central Florida playing in a bowl in the state of Florida. I mean, those are the things that um, – because more than likely you're going to get if you got close proximity to these bowl sites you're going to get a bigger crowd yeah you're going to get a bigger crowd and everything like that and so people aren't traveling they're back to traveling but like you know will will, will a team from the midwest fly all the way somewhere will florida team they're just trying to i guess you know as far as maximize i'm talking about these bowl games maximize the amount of people that they can get in there and you talk about central florida florida that are in playing in a bowl game in the state of florida that might be better than say somebody else from conference usa that's right. coming down there that's so right I, I mean i i kind of appreciate what they're trying to do especially yep. when, when we're not talking about these new year's new year's six bowl uh the outback bowl it's penn state and arkansas that's interesting the citrus bowl matchup. is yep the citrus bowl is iowa and kentucky and then lane kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels, they are in the Sugar Bowl taking on Baylor. Uh, LSU playing Kansas State in the Texas Bowl on uh, on January the 4th as well. And, of course, uh, Alabama in the Cotton Bowl against Cincinnati. Georgia against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. We're going to talk about uh, more of these uh, matchups and kind of just how crazy college football's been the last, uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, our buddy Bill Bender from the Sporting News, he's a regular with us here on College Football Radio. He is with us next, and we'll uh, deep dive into the world of college football when we come back. It's College Football Radio presented by Medicare Misty. You can find her online at MedicareMisty.com. College Football Radio, SEC at its best. Coming back next on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. It's how the SEC starts its Saturday mornings. College Football Radio is back with Chris Goforth and Randy McMichael on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. Back on College Football Radio, Chris Goforth, Randy McMichael, as uh, it's time for us to turn our focus from what was a regular season to a postseason. And who better to talk about that with than Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, kind enough to hang with us here for a few minutes on this Saturday morning and uh, talk a little college football. So, Bill, let me start. We got our Final Four team set. Did the College Football Playoff Committee, did they get it right? Yeah, I mean, I don't 
know who you would put in over who got in. I mean, uh, Alabama kind of eliminated some chaos scenarios by beating Georgia. Cincinnati got the job done. Michigan left no doubt against Iowa. Um, two good storylines in the playoffs with the two matchups. I mean, yeah, like Oklahoma State lost. Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati. Ohio State lost to Michigan. I, I don't see anybody else in that top ten that should be in. Bill, when you when you look at the two matchups and the the you know the 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 overwhelming you know that it seems like Cincinnati has to beat an Alabama team, what do you think Cincinnati can do that might give Alabama some problems? As we are, you know, we're a few weeks away, but as as you can think of it right now, Ritter and Ford are going to have to control the clock a little bit. The running game. Uh, they're going to have to play keep away some. They're going to have to limit Alabama's possessions. They do have two good corners, two All-American caliber corners. That's a good start with uh, Gardner and Kobe Bryant. And if they can get some pressure on Bryce Young, force a slow start. I mean, we've seen Alabama just dominate some of these semifinals. I, I just think, Randy, it starts with getting out of the first quarter alive and not down 10 to 14 points. Bill Bender of the Sporting News. You can find him online, sportingnews.com. Bill, outside of Bryce Young, is is Desmond Ritter, is he the best quarterback in, in this playoff? I mean, yeah, I think so. You know, experienced senior leader, um, won a bunch of fo- football games, played in big games, uh, hasn't lost much, dual threat. I mean, he, he checks a lot of boxes, so uh, a good leader, too. I, I'm a little bit surprised he didn't get a little more Heisman run, honestly. I'm not saying he would have won it, but just, like, involved in that conversation a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll be an interesting challenge for Alabama's defense, and, and we'll see if they can, like I said, if they can get that running game going with him and Ford, they, they can at least hang around early and maybe avoid that early knockout punch. Bill Bender of the Sporting News, he's with us here on, uh, uh, on College Football Radio. We'll get uh, Randy McMichael back with, us here in, uh, back with us here in just a minute. Uh Bill, let's let's get into Georgia a little bit. Talked with uh, Randy about this a moment ago, and this is one where, uh, look, I, I know there's a lot of people that are questioning Kirby Smart and whether or not he should have made a quarterback change on uh, on Saturday during that game. Give me your thoughts on uh, what you see out of that quarterback position going into this New Year's Eve game against Michigan. I mean. That's second-guessing, though. I mean, what if he put in J.T. Daniels and it was a complete disaster? The fans would be saying, you know, Bennett should have stayed in. So, I I mean, I don't know that J.T. Daniels offers anything that Stetson Bennett doesn't. And I think that's the issue. You tell me. Like, is there something in Daniels' toolbox that Bennett doesn't have? And I think it's more of, you know, it was going fine when Georgia had the lead, but once they didn't have the lead, it got away from them a little bit. I was going to ask Bill about the whole thing because I was just saying this before we had you on. And and I know we're a wise away. And the one thing was, well, if Georgia would have made this to change a quarterback and all those different things. And I said this, and it's still early, Bill, but I want your opinion on it. Would I would be more shocked if JT Daniels was starting quarterback for, for, against Michigan than I would be if Stetson was, was the quarterback. Well, yeah, I would, I would, you would be more shocked if JT Daniels wasn't the quarterback. If he was the quarterback, yeah, I would be stunned. I, they'll start Bennett. Um, well, Michigan has a similar dilemma in some ways with Cade McNamara, this leader guy that, that has a lot of charisma, has the respect of his teammates. When if you've watched Michigan all year, JJ McCarthy's the one with the, the million dollar arm and the five star talent and, those, and a little bit of a skill set. I think he'll see some snaps. So. It's hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think that will be an interesting question if Georgia gets a rematch with Alabama where, okay, let's say they get back in that rematch and Alabama jumps on them 10. Does he put in JT Daniels then? And I think that's when the question can be asked again. Bill, I want to get your thoughts on some of these other uh, bowl games that, and some of these other bowl matchups. Uh, I know Purdue has had two guys, uh, I guess their two best players have declared for the NFL draft. I haven't heard of anybody opting out yet for Purdue, although I guess that's uh, certainly likely to happen between now and the, and the 30th of December. But just your thoughts on Josh Heupel, year one, getting Tennessee in this Music City Bowl against uh, Purdue. Yeah, I mean, great season. Great, great job, and um, 
the offense competed, they, they play hard. And I've said that all year about them. I don't know if they're there yet by any means, but ever since that debacle of the finish at the old Miss game, they, they really played hard in the second half of the season. And uh, I like the direction he has them in. I like the quarterback play. That offense is going to be fun. It attracts recruits. The Purdue Bowl game, if Bell and Carl Laftis play, will make it better because that's one of the more intriguing games. Purdue throws it all around, and uh, Tennessee's going to throw it all around. And my favorite bull matchups are always SEC versus Big Ten teams. Bill, the, the you got Lane in a big time. Talk about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Obviously, with the new extension, he's going to be here. Loses his OC, but uh, but I still think you know he's going to have that offense ready. What kind of what are you most intrigues you about this matchup right here? Knowing that we got Lane, and I always refer to it not Ole Miss Lane. He's in the big time right now, and and he could have a a a, a shining moment for his program. Oh, for sure. I mean, if Ole Miss can go win that and. I know they won that bowl a couple years ago with Hugh Freeze, but everything that happened after was pretty bad. So for Lane, it'd be legitimized what continues to be a one of those weird, the weirdest career arc ever, obviously. <laughs> um, and if they, I mean, I, I was retracing it. I I had never seen the movie Benjamin Button, but I know that's what's going on with Lane Kiffin. It's like the reverse <laughs> career, and. Uh, I, I, the, the whole entire premise of that movie is creepy, by the way. But, um, the yeah, I mean, Lane can get them 11 wins, build the energy through signing day, and uh, have Ole Miss in a, compete for an SEC championship game next year. That's not out of the question. Where do they stack up in the West now as, as you look down the road, Bill, because obviously Alabama's they're not going any place. Jimbo continues to recruit exceptionally well at Texas A&M. Where does Ole Miss fit in that mix in the SEC West? Well, they're going to have to grind every year, just like LSU and Brian Kelly will, just like Texas A&M has to, they're just like Arkansas, who's on the cusp of a nine-win season, uh, Mississippi State, and every, every team in that division is in a bowl game. Ridiculous to have a division that, that, that is that good. So, you know, I mean, they're going to have to do it year in and year out, and it won't be easy because as good as the division is, it still revolves around the Crimson Tide. So, you know, to me, an eight and four season in that division isn't the worst thing in the world. Bill, when, going back to uh, to LSU and Brian Kelly, and you know you have another head, new head coach over in uh, Florida, and Billy Napier. It seems like he's taking all the the big assistants that everybody thought that Brian Kelly should keep. He's taking them over to Florida with him, and Brian Kelly is letting those guys go. Do you think that you know Brian Kelly letting some of those top recruiters, top top guys, that you know that 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 these players in Louisiana know? Do you think he's making a mistake by letting them go? And how big a get are those for uh, Billy Napier? I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the portal does. I think Billy Napier is going to do a good job at Florida. I like the track record at Louisiana. I like what he was able to do at uh, as an assistant. I think, uh, you know, one of those Florida schools has to get it done, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. Napier at Florida, Mike Norvell still trying to get Florida State going, and then you got Mario Cristobal coming into Miami. I mean, Randy, you're – from that dynamic from when you play. There's no way that all three of those programs should be down. So I think it comes down to how he recruits, how he works the transfer portal, and how he gets Florida coming off a miserable season to be a little bit better next year. And what a bowl game matchup for them. That's another one under the radar that UCF's going to want to be there. I can tell you that. Yeah, speaking uh, speaking of UCF, uh, we were talking about that. Uh, we were talking about that Florida matchup in the Gasparilla Bowl earlier, uh, Bill, and that's one of those where it seems like maybe there's still a little bit of bad blood there. UCF tried to get the home and home with Florida. Florida would only do a two for one between the uh, between these two teams. Uh, is is there still the chip on the shoulder at uh, at Central Florida when they go up against a an SEC team, especially one that's in state? I would hope. I mean, I'm sure they uh, they will definitely uh, get after it and, and make make sure that that uh, it's going to be a thing. So I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and that's one of those bull matchups. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a playoff game. It doesn't have to be a New Year's Day six game. I'm going to watch all the most of these. Oh, I can't say I'm going to watch every single second of 43 bull games, but I'm going to watch most of them. I'm going to wrap presents watching them. I'm not going to complain that there are too many bowl games, and I'll definitely right. sit and watch some of that UCF Florida game, no doubt. 
Bill, the last four, four, I think, yeah, last four head coaches down in Miami, they were all Miami men. Oh, we got a Miami guy in here. He knows the tradition and all these different things. How is Mario Cristobal going to be a different, do you think? It's a fair question because that, you're exactly right. They've had guys from the family, so to speak, and it didn't work out. And I think he is another guy that learned from the Saban internship and improved the recruiting at Oregon, had them on the cusp of the playoff a couple times, had them winning a lot of football games, maybe not the big one, but – definitely an improved program so I think he's got to take those lessons and apply them at Miami it's not an easy place to win but I think like I was telling you earlier um, there's no reason why Miami can't be competing for the ACC Coastal Championship every single season and I think that to me is the first one the most stunning part of them being in the ACC this long is they haven't won an ACC championship yet Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He's with us here on College Football Radio. Bill, as we uh, as we finish up, we got the Heisman Trophy being handed out later. Who's your pick for tonight? Well, you know, I think uh, Bryce Young would be a good bet. Um, you know, they all have interesting stories. Aiden Hutchinson leaving Michigan, leaving Michigan back to the playoff. DJ Stroud, big year. Um, Obviously, Kenny Pickett, I mean, if you're looking at a most valuable player, leading hits an ACC championship. But I think Bryce Young, the last two weeks in particular, whether it was the Auburn game and leading that drive or everything he did against Georgia, it's crazy that an Alabama quarterback hasn't won the Heisman, but he's a good bet to do it. Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Hey, Bill, real quick, tell folks what they can find on the Sporting News. You guys do have always done a fantastic job covering the bowl games. What do you guys have planned coming up between now and uh, and New Year's Day? Yeah, I mean, we'll have bowl picks and previews and all that kind of content that you need for uh, to get through the holidays. We're really excited about it. It's been a fun, long season. It's always fun to check in with you guys as well. I appreciate it. Bill, appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, no problem. Thank you. All right, it's Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He's been uh, hanging with us here on College Football Radio. Randy and I will come back. we got more. Hang tight now. We're going to visit with our buddy Adam Rittenberg from ESPN and ESPN.com. We'll get into to Adam a little bit. Obviously, we'll get his take on the Heisman, but we'll talk about some of these coaching moves that have gone on and guys that won't be playing in the bowl game and what the transfer portal is going to look like. We're going to do all of that uh, with Adam Rittenberg coming up next. College Football Radio presented by Medicare Misty, check her out online, MedicareMisty.com. College Football Radio, SEC at its best. Coming back next on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. It's how the SEC starts its Saturday mornings. College Football Radio is back with Chris Goforth and Randy McMichael on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. It's College Football Radio. As, uh, we talk a little more college football today. We uh, head out and uh, welcome in Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. Adam, kind enough to spend some time with us. Adam, I want to get your perspective on just what all's kind of happened in college football here over the last, really over about the last two weeks. I mean, with all the coaching changes that have gone on, this has been a, it's been like the wild, wild west for the last two weeks, hasn't it? It has, Chris. You know, this is typically the time of year where you do see some coaching movement. I think what's made this year different is, you know, obviously the, the the overall number of changes, but you know, if you go back and study this, and I, I've tried to, haven't covered it closely, you don't see that many Power Five to Power Five moves. You know, certainly less than I think a lot of common fans think. It doesn't happen that often, and then you almost never see uh, two moves in back-to-back days like we saw uh, earlier with uh, with uh, Lincoln Riley going from one power program to another, Oklahoma USC. And then, the, and then the very next day, you get Brian Kelly going from Notre Dame to LSU. So that has certainly uh, overshadowed pretty much everything else. And then even the Mario Cristobal situation, leaving a very good place in Oregon, you know, probably his best team coming back next year to go to Miami, which he obviously has some emotional connections to, but is not uh, the uh, caliber of the Oregon program right now. So there's been a lot of those types of moves that typically don't happen in a coaching cycle. Adam, out of all those jobs, because I'm like you, we're talking to people here in, in Atlanta and everybody, I'm like, 
of course, there's always coaching jobs. You just don't see the names of the schools that have these coaching jobs come available. When you look at the uh, the the change the 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 change of the of the uh, of the coaches and everything, who do you think has the easiest job? Because not easy to rebuild a program, but who do you think has the easiest job to have their team contending uh, the earliest? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think it won't take Lincoln Riley that long, but it's not going to happen immediately there. I, you know, in some ways, it could be a guy like Marcus Freeman, who was just promoted at Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame's playing in a New Year's Six game this year. They weren't far away from making the college football playoff. They, they've been a consistent 10-win uh, team or more. Uh, they've made the playoff twice in the last few years. So uh, I think that's a place that can kind of continue to have success. But as far as coaches who made a move, uh, I still think it's LSU and Brian Kelly. I mean, we, you know, LSU obviously uh, had, had, had taken a dip the last couple of years, but that's always a place that when the talent is right and the coaching is right, you can win in short order at LSU. And so I, I think, you know, I know Brian's putting his staff together now after trying to get some of the Notre Dame folks over. I know he got Brian Polian to, uh, to, their, uh, to LSU as a special teams coordinator, but I think LSU, because you have so much talent, around you and so much on the roster it doesn't take very long ever to get that flip adam rittenberg from espn he's with us here on college football radio billy napier hired as the new head coach at florida he's got some local ties to this area here being from uh from north georgia Uh, a little bit about napier and how do you rate this hire for florida yeah i just saw scott strickland the athletic director in las vegas and i congratulated him on the hire and said you know, yours was the most normal, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, they made their move. They targeted a, a strong group of five candidate who had had uh, some really good credentials as a power five assistant coach and, and obviously great success at Louisiana. And they made the hire. I mean, that, that's how most coaching changes uh, typically go. This cycle, we haven't seen too many like that. So I think this makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, even though Billy hasn't been a power five head coach, you know, he's been around top power five programs. And like you said, he's very familiar with the area. And I think the one thing Florida was lacking under Dan Mullen was really the thrust you need from the head coach to be focused on recruiting uh, every day, you know, year-round pretty much. And I think Billy Napier is going to give that uh, presence to Florida along with the staff that he puts together. You know, he was with Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, with, with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, and then obviously with Nick Saban at Alabama. And so you're around those types of coaches. You, you, you understand that the head coach can't just be a delegator in recruiting. He has to be a driver, has to be somebody who makes things happen. And I think that can also help Florida's situation because you know, it's a program that you've seen when you have a, a, a true uh, 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 elite recruiter. I think you can have success there and certainly compete in the SEC. Adam, speaking of Dabo, he, he loses his longtime D.C. going back home to uh, uh, Venables, going back to Oklahoma. It looks like he's going to lose his O.C. also. Where do you think they are right now as a program? Because it's just hard for me to believe that Dabo and Clemson are just going to fall off the map after having a disappointing season. No, they aren't. And, you know, Dabo has hired good assistants throughout his career. He, he's created a, an incredible culture of stability. So that's going to be interesting to see. You know, with with Dan Radakovich leaving, and and obviously Brent Venables, and you know Tim, Tim Beret, who's the outstanding longtime sports information guy at Clemson, who recently retired. He tweeted that Brent Venables is the most significant assistant coach in any Clemson sport in the history of the university. And I would agree with that because you know, he upgraded their defense to a national championship level uh, where it wasn't early in Dabo's tenure, and so you know that that's a big loss. And you know, could take a little bit of time to uh, to replace that type of coach, but I think they're going to have talent there. They always recruit well. You know, they're very targeted in their recruiting approach. And so I know, like right now, there's a little bit of panic because they don't have a lot of commitments for the, for this year. But they they've been successful the way that they've recruited for a long time. And you know, if they do lose Tony Elliott, and it's still an if, it's not a definite. Um, you know, I think Dabo will will find uh, replacements who are capable either on his staff or outside the program as you've seen it's a very attractive job for assistant coaches it's why they don't leave you know, they're always going in and out of alabama they're not mm-hmm. going in and out of clemson so it's a very appealing place to work is there maybe a little more pressure on Dabo now with these guys being gone coming off the year that they're having uh, i think so you know but again he's still a guy that's won two national titles he's won a ton of acc uh, championships 
um, you know, people are going to talk about Mario Cristobal and, you know, uh, you know even, even, even the, the success at Wake Forest and Pitt and some of those places. But I, I think everyone knows that when Clemson is right and, and, when, and when they're rolling on offense, they're still the best program in the ACC. It's not going to take one, you know, year that was down or a little bit abnormal for, for people to start panicking. But, you know, it, it's an important, you know, 2022 is going to be an important year to kind of reestablish themselves in the ACC and in the college football playoff race. The same thing goes for Oklahoma and the Big 12 and even Ohio State, which finally, you know, lost, uh, lost to Michigan and, and wasn't in the Big Ten championship game. So I think those three programs are very accustomed to winning their conferences and being in the playoff, and it didn't happen this year. So it's going to make next year even more important. Adam, when you look, go down to Miami, and we know Cristobal, it just seemed, you know, for the longest, like that was a, the perfect hire because he's a Miami guy and all those things. But, Adam, the last four head coaches have been Miami guys. How, how are we supposed to believe that he is going to be different than those, those other guys? Yeah, that's a very fair question. I think the uh, reason to believe there is that they – the mechanism in which they got Mario Cristobal. You know, Miami has never been a place that spent a lot of money on coaches, on facilities, on the bells and whistles. They just relied on, you know, getting a bunch of Miami guys in there and, and, and being better than you. And that's not enough anymore. And so I think, you know, with bringing in Dan Radakovich, who's a respected athletic director, the type of investment that they made in Mario, in his staff, which is going to be very important to see who, he's, who he hires there, you know, they're going to set themselves up to uh, you know, be more successful. Now, he's got to deliver, though. And the one thing you know Mario will do is deliver players. He is absolutely one of the most ferocious, maniacal, uh, intense, whatever word you want to use, recruiters I- as far as a head coach goes in the country. There are very few head coaches, uh, maybe only two or three, who approach recruiting the way that Mario does and who demands that out of his staff. And so that's what's going to happen in Miami. And he's obviously going to have a much better pool locally to recruit than he did at Oregon, where he uh, did an outstanding job recruiting. So that's going to be the, the plus. What I'm still questioning, though, is when he gets in those big games, can he outcoach Dabo Sweeney? Can he outcoach Kirby Smart or Nick Saban or Ryan Day uh, or, or Lincoln Riley or whoever he's going to face in the playoffs? Because those are some of the moments where he's fallen short. So Miami will have the roster to win, but can Mario, as a coach, get them over the top? That's the big question. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN spending a few minutes with us. Adam, before we let you go, Heisman Trophy being handed out tonight. Who wins it? For the Heisman, I would imagine it's going to be uh, Bryce Young from Alabama. Uh, just the way that he finished the season, that incredible performance, you know, just to bring him back against Auburn, but certainly in the SEC title game against what had been a historically elite Georgia defense. So I think you know, he, he's a guy that you'll hear his name called uh, you know, certainly during the award show uh, later on. And then Adam, real quick before we let you go, money for these coaches that we've asked you about has been just crazy. If you, if you look at the extensions and all those different things, of the four coaches that are in the college football playoffs right now, who do you think is the next one to get a raise? Because there's no way that Nick Saban should be making less than, I mean, less than any of these coaches just, that just got these new contracts. Yeah, no, Nick Saban you should be the highest-paid coach. I don't think anyone, anyone would uh, doubt that. But I think the other three guys are all in line to get raises. Now, Cincinnati you know, being you know, right now still a group of five program, there's limitations as to what they can do relative to Alabama, Georgia, um, and, uh, and Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan restructured Jim Harbaugh's contract last year essentially to make it easier to fire him if things <laughs> didn't go well this year. Well, now he did so well, you're going to have to – uh, certainly, uh, you know, give him more money going going forward, most likely. So, yeah, I think all, all three of those guys are going to, all four of them are, are, are potentially going to get raises. But, uh, yeah, you can't argue with Saban at the top of the list. I, right. I texted one of the Alabama assistants after the SEC title game, and the text said, death, save, uh, death taxes Saban, and he just texted back a goat symbol because that man <laughs> is the greatest coach that we've ever seen, at least, at least in my lifetime and probably will ever see. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Adam, appreciate the time, my man, as always. We'll catch up with you again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Hang on. we got a lot more to go as we continue. This is College Football Radio presented by Medicare Misty. You can find her online at MedicareMisty.com. College Football Radio. 
SEC at its best. Coming back next on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. It's how the SEC starts its Saturday mornings. College Football Radio is back with Chris Goforth and Randy McMichael on Rock 105. Presented by Medicare Misty. We'll continue to take a look at the college football playoff this week as we welcome in Justin Williams. Uh, Justin covers the Cincinnati Bearcats for The Athletic, so if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, it makes a great Christmas gift uh, So uh, for the sports fan in your life or maybe uh, maybe a little Christmas gift for yourself. But appreciate Justin being able to give us a little bit of time and join us here on College Football Radio. Uh, Justin, let's start with this. How much hand-wringing was going on over the final week or maybe two weeks of the regular season leading up to the championship games about whether or not Cincinnati would get this opportunity to be in the playoffs? Oh, it, it, it was constant, you know, because fans and the team and everyone involved in the university, you know, they knew, obviously, first objective is the team had to stay undefeated, had to get that athletic or American Athletic Conference championship win over Houston and, and stay undefeated down the stretch. But then it was all the other stuff around it, right? Like they got their way up to number four in the playoff rankings. But you should have seen all the, the scenarios that were going on um, with, you know, fans and different things like that, you know, trying to figure out who has to lose, who has to win. And so really that, you know, when, when that Oklahoma State Big 12 loss happened, which was right before the, the championship game kicked off, that was like a huge relief for Cincinnati fans because they knew, all right, we don't have to worry anything else. Win and we're in. How much better is this team this year than they were last year, especially when uh, – and I'm talking about the team that actually played against Georgia. How much better are they than the, uh, this year than last year? You know, that's interesting, and it's really unfortunate – that that season got cut short last year for Cincinnati because in some ways you might be able to argue that team was just as good, if not better. You know, I think that would be an interesting matchup to kind of break down hypothetically because they they lost some good players off that team last year, especially on defense. They lost a couple NFL caliber safeties, lost another NFL lineman. Uh, They lost their left tackle, James Hudson, uh, to the fourth round of the NFL draft. So there was some talent on that team last year, but, but then I think you look at the team this year, you got a lot of those guys from last year who just got a year better. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, got a year better. Jerome Ford, the running back, got a year better. Alec Pierce, the wide receiver, some of the guys on defense. So I think they're pretty similar. And I think if you were, you know, I wish we would have had a full season, you know, of even just statistics last year because it'd be right. kind of interesting to, to compare what those two teams were able to do. Now, certainly, you know, obviously the Georgia game, you know, they played really well. And, you know, I think anyone that watched that game realized that Cincinnati probably should have won it. They kind of blew it at the end. But they didn't have a win like they did this year against against Notre Dame. So that's certainly something that the, the 2021 team can, can I hang their hat on. Justin Williams, he covers the Cincinnati Bearcats for the Athletic. He joins us as uh, Cincinnati. They take on Alabama on uh, New Year's Eve uh, in, the, uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Is Luke Fickle, is he there next year at Cincinnati, or do you see him being lured away? I mean, look, anytime a job opens, like Cincinnati fans, it, it just it takes another year off their life probably. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Are we going to have any more jobs open? It, it feels like at least the ones Stay that people might be interested in, that they, they might all be kind of filled at this point. You know, when, when the Notre Dame thing happened with Brian Kelly leaving and, and coming open, that it just felt like, all right, this is, this is one of the ones that everyone knows is on, is on Luke Fickle's list, and he feels like such a perfect fit for that job. Um, now I think they got a really good hire in, in Marcus Freeman, but kind of the timing of the situation, they're in the middle of this playoff run, conference championship run, and the kind of guy Luke Fickle is, you know, he's not going to leave a team in, in that or really even talk to another school during that time period. So I think timing might have worked out in Cincinnati's favor with Luke Fickle and this coaching carousel cycle. But, you know, it's, it's also something like Luke Fickle has not uh, – he's not made a, a habit of, of wanting to chase other jobs and chase, chase money and all that kind of stuff. So whether – you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks Luke Fickle is going to stay at Cincinnati and coach there forever, but, like, the different opportunities of places he might leave for, that list is kind of getting smaller and smaller every year. 
Justin, if that's the case, because we do know that in, in sometime in the future, and it might happen next year or the year after, that Cincinnati is going to move to a Power 5 conference, do you think that's enough to entice him to stay there? And as far as you look at it, guys like Ritter, these are like generational players in the in the uh, Cincinnati football program. How's the recruiting going right there? Do you think it may get better with the move to a bigger conference? Yeah, the Big 12 definitely helps. Like, you know, you get the playoff this year. You know, you know, at the at the very latest, 2024, maybe 2023, the team's going to the Big 12. So that brings more money, that brings more resources, but it's also just, you know, kind of this promise like, all right, you don't have to have a dream miracle season every year moving forward to, to make that playoff. So I think that's definitely something that is going to kind of keep Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. And it certainly helped on the recruiting trail too. Like, look, the coaches – are out on the trail this week after that conference championship win, going to the playoffs. There is no better time to be a coach on the recruiting trail than Cincinnati this week mm. because you know exactly what they've been selling, and, and it's an easy sales pitch to make to some of these kids. So we've seen their recruiting improve, you know, just as the team has had more success and stability over the past couple of years, and we're already starting to see that, um, you know, move, moving forward. They got a four star already in 2023. I think they're top 30 in the country in their 2022 class. That's about to hit early signing day. And I think that's only going to continue because, you know, look, you, you can pitch the Big 12. You can pitch Luke Fickle staying around, and you can pitch a, a playoff run in 2021. That's something not many schools uh, have the ability to do. Justin Williams from The Athletic. He covers Cincinnati, and he's hanging with us here on College Football Radio for a bit. Randy and I talked earlier. Seems like, you know, the recipe to beat Alabama is fantastic quarterback play. Uh, you know, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M, he played out of his mind when Texas A&M beat them earlier this year. You go back over the course of the last couple of years when, when Alabama has been beaten, it's either been some sort of fluky type play like a kick six against Auburn or it's been outstanding quarterback play. I think Desmond Ritter is next to Bryce Young. He's the best quarterback in this final four can he be the guy can he be dynamic enough to get cincinnati a win in this game yeah and i mean you could you could go through the the season i realized they played old miss and corral had a really good season but you could you know maybe make the argument that desmond Ritter's the best quarterback they played all year he, he's certainly kind of the most accomplished he's third all time in wins in college football history he definitely has that ability and you know one of the things He's been he's really improved himself as a passer over the past couple of seasons and that's what's gonna turn him into a, a good NFL draft pick here in a couple months. But, you know, when he started he was he was a running quarterback and he still has that ability. They were good enough Cincinnati this year that they didn't really have to lean on that or, or break that out too much. You know, this Alabama game it feels like that could maybe be a little bit of a differentiator for him. It could be a way to offset Will Anderson and everything. Uh, the tide can do on defense and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he certainly you know they're going to throw the ball because uh, they've had success doing that this year they have good receivers but I wouldn't be surprised if you know he ends up having his most rushing attempts or even rushing yards of the season against Alabama because you're right they're going to kind of need a couple little extra things to go go in their favor a couple little edges against uh, against a good team like Alabama and Desmond Ritter's running abilities and that, that could be one of them. Just the last one for me. When you look at the, 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 the line, and I know we're weeks away and you're going to write articles and everybody's going to change our predictions as far as, I don't think as far as if Alabama could win this game about how much and everything like that. How does tennis, I'm sorry, how does Cincinnati's defense, how do they come to the party and play against a prolific quarterback who's probably going to win the Heisman tonight? How do they get ready for that? Yeah, you know, they have a really good secondary. They have two you know, really strong corners. You could argue the best cornerback tandem in the country and Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Gardner's popped up on a bunch of All-American, first-team All-American lists already. Kobe Bryant's a finalist tonight for the Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, so that's going to be a big boon for, for them against, the, you know, Bryce Young is playing really well in a really strong Alabama passing attack. But to me, I think the, the key is going to be the defensive line for, for Cincinnati. We saw when Auburn had success against Alabama a couple weeks ago, which – feels like a million years ago because the way they played Florida, you know, in, in the SEC championship game. But Auburn had success by getting to Bryce Young and, and kind of creating pressure. And Cincinnati has good defensive backs, but if they can maybe have some pressure in, in Bryce Young's face, not let him just sit back there and, and pick out receivers, pick out Jamison Williams, that gives those, you know, cornerbacks and safeties a chance to even make some plays if they're hurrying Bryce Young up a little bit. So I think getting some pressure – Will be, will be the key for Cincinnati, and they had eight sacks in, in the title game against Houston, so it's certainly something that they're capable of. 
Justin Williams with The Athletic. He covers Cincinnati, and he's with us on College Football Radio. Just a few more things for you here, uh, Justin. One, I want to go back to Desmond Ritter. You mentioned the idea of him being drafted. What are NFL scouts saying about him and, and his potential at the next level? Yeah, he, he's a guy who last year kind of the, the scouting report on him was he could have left. He was a, a redshirt junior last year. He could have left and maybe been a mid-round draft pick, third, fourth, fifth round. And he actually came back to Cincinnati for a couple of reasons. But one of them was, you know, let's try and improve my draft stock, my draft standing. I certainly think he's done that. I mean, he, there is some talk that if he goes into the combine and impresses, and impresses people, and definitely if he has a good, you know, showing here in the playoffs, you know, he could be one of those guys who kind of rises up the draft board late in the process and becomes a, a first-round draft pick or, or a, even an early second-round draft pick. I think he's probably in that first three rounds somewhere because he has he has great leadership. He's going to really impress in terms of kind of the interview and character aspect of it. And then he has that dual-threat ability that so many teams seem to be looking for at the NFL level. So he has things he needs to improve on and get better, you know, kind of like short yardage accuracy and things like that. But he kind of bet on himself coming back for another year at Cincinnati. And uh, at least right now, it's certainly looking like it's really going to pay off for him. How many draft picks are on this Cincinnati team? How many guys do they have that you think have a future in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, I think you could pretty easily come up with six or seven. And and then, you know, again, depending on how the, the season goes and the combine goes, maybe get up to as many as 10. You know, Gardner's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, Des Ritter's going to be an early pick. Darian Beavers, who was a Butkus uh, Award finalist at linebacker, he's going to be a pick. Uh, they got, a, I think they have six guys going to the Senior Bowl in Mobile here in a couple weeks. And, you know, then they have a few others. Josh Wiley's a junior tight end. Jerome Ford's a, a junior running back. They could, depending on how many guys go and kind of how they do over the next couple weeks, I think you could see up to, you know, pushing up to double digits, but certainly in that six, seven, eight range. Justin Williams, uh, he covers uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats for The Athletic, and he's been with us here. Justin, tell folks uh, the kind of coverage they can find uh, at The Athletic if they want to uh, want to study up. we got some Alabama fans listening. They may want to study up on the Bearcats before, uh, before New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm on Twitter, at Williams underscore Justin, and then you can go to The Athletic and you know click on the, the Cincinnati football page, and we'll have all kinds of stuff there. My my counterpart Aaron Suttles covers Alabama for us at the Athletic. He does a great job too, and he and I and the whole staff over there is going to have a uh, plenty of coverage on on the Bearcats and everything going on to play off here in the next couple of weeks. Justin, appreciate the time, man. Thanks we'll, a lot, uh, Justin. We'll catch up with you again. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you. All right, that's uh, Justin Williams. He is with the Athletic, and he covers the Cincinnati Bearcats. Appreciate him uh, giving us a little bit of time today, Randy. We've got uh, look. We're going to talk more about some of these bowl games. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan next week. We'll also talk some about that uh, Tennessee-Purdue uh, Music City Bowl that's coming up as well. So we got a lot to get to between now and uh, and New Year's Eve. Yes, sir, man. And it's it, the, the, the thing about today, Chris, is this. My wife does not know who Georgia plays from week to week, but she knows when they don't play. So I got to go take care of this honey-do list and, and clean the garage. And she got me, Chris. She got me. She got me. She got, she's already put two or three things on the list yes. while you've been doing this show. All right, Randy, get to it, man. We'll catch up with you next week. All right, brother. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here. It's College Football Radio presented by Medicare Misty. Don't forget to check her out online, MedicareMisty.com. Randy now back with you next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock right here. We'll see you then. This has been another edition of College Football Radio. Presented by Medicare Misty. SEC at its best with your hosts, Chris Goforth and Randy McMichael. For more or to listen to a replay of today's broadcast, go to collegefootballradio.com. Built by Avalon Design Studio. College Football Radio. Presented by Medicare Misty. Is a production of Whitfield Media Group. Join us again next Saturday to start your SEC football college game day. And thank you for listening.